Hello and welcome to the Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And it was a good week. It was a good weekend, was it not, Blake? It was fantastic. I mean, we sort of in the past have done a podcast every two weeks and one of the criticisms has been that we always managed to time it after a loss. Mm, mm. So we thought we'd come Which has been back. easy to do, in all fairness. <laughs> yeah. So we thought we'd come back uh, this week. It was straight after the first podcast. We'll be back with episode two for 2019. And it's, yeah, it's it's nothing but um, sunshine and lollipops around here, is it? No, for the third most popular Raiders podcast going around, we are very happy chappies this particular day coming to you from a secret location in a very disgusting warehouse hidden somewhere in city. So what was your favourite thing about the match against the Titans, Blake? I really liked our kicking game against the Titans. Uh, it's great having three options, three kickers in Whiten, Caesar, and Hodgson. We saw um, Cherry Evans in Manley's game against the Tigers uh, was re- put under a lot of pressure and his kicking game was really negated. As there weren't really any other kicking options. So having those three to go through makes it hard for the other teams to put a lot of pressure on the kickers. Uh, the other thing was really good was repeat sets. We managed to get four against the Titans. Generally, this has been a really weak point for the Raiders. In 2017, we only got 17, which was the lowest um, for the comp. And then we improved to 24 in 2018, but again, that was still the lowest. So good sides are able to maintain pressure and get repeat sets. And um, that's something I'm looking forward to seeing more of in 2019, hopefully. The defense has been talked about a lot. You know, it was a, it was a great performance there. Uh John Bateman, you know, stood out. He was sort of everything that we hoped he would be. Mm. And as I said... And a bit on, more. Yeah, and as I said on the first episode, um, I could see him becoming a real fan favourite amongst Raiders fans. I think he basically already has. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I already had a man crush on him when I just heard the rumours that he was coming, but now it's like, it's 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 requited love. It's the, requited love. I feel like he gave us back the love. This guy who, you know, barely talks English, let's face the fact. Sorry if you're listening, John, but, you know, you're pretty hard to understand. Um... Just an outstanding footballer. That, that particular run where he got the ball and sped back through the ruck up that gap and damn near broke them all in half and got that penalty goal. Get the penalty that we yeah. got the, the penalty goal. That's the sort of play that t- shows you why John Bateman is so good because not only was he making, I don't know, how many tackles did he make? He, he made, made the most. He made 36. He yeah. made 17 hit-ups and he made 155 metres. He just absolutely starred. No one on any of the shows, the radio programs, the TVs, were talking about him as the best buy of the season. They're all talking about him now. He was absolutely bloody outstanding and you could see Josh Hodgson just loving him there and Elliot Whitehead just loving him there. He was he was that good. And um, I thought in the pouring down rain at Skilled Stadium, we had every opportunity to lose that match as we usually would and find a way to go through. And they kept finding a way to defend the line but I think what I loved best about Bateman was there was two times that Proctor got through and uh, Proctor the egg farmer just in case anyone missed him grabbing Jordan Rappiner's crown jewels last They're year they're best mates from high school you know that. apparently yeah. that's what they do but um, apparently it was just fine he got a, he got a letter of uh, warning from the NRL that he was a bad boy for you know basically grabbing ghoulies on the field uh, but he was through on two occasions, one-on-one with Bateman, who was a smaller man. And on both occasions, Bateman brought him down very close to the line. And I just thought, I love this man. I love him. I love him maybe as much as I love Boxhead in the last line of defence back in the day where Steve Walters was there doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, what I like about him is he's, he's clearly, you know, it's, it's well documented. He grew up on one of the um, roughest housing estates in Bradford. And Bradford is a very rough part of England. He mm. grew up on one of the roughest estates where probably a good day is a day where someone doesn't pull a knife on you or, mm. you know what I mean, mm. threaten to stab you. So he's not intimidated by anyone. No. Yeah, you saw him getting stuck into all of the uh, all of the Titans forwards, including uh, 
former Raider Shannon Boyd. Oh yeah, yeah. he was right in there mixing it. Yeah, everyone loved the the dummy throw the ball to the head. You know, that's yeah, yeah. that's going to become a meme or whatever a, yeah, yeah. a gif or you know for all eternity. But yeah, it's just a great performance and uh, really looking was. forward to seeing who he chooses to get stuck into against the Storm. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, and and they'll they'll see that coming. They'll see that coming. It's just whether or not they deal with it. The Storm looked really good against the Broncos, but I'm hoping that part of what made the Storm look so good was the Broncos were so bad. They were really, really ordinary. They looked unfocused. Their halves just didn't look good enough. Um, and their forward pack really easily got monstered. I'm hoping that uh, they ran. In, they had a false sense of security. I'm also hoping that our five-day turnaround doesn't hurt us because I would, uh, I think, like all of us would, would love to see us beat you know, the, the purple horde and actually, you know, do you know, in my lifetime, actually in the flesh, I've only ever seen us beat the storm twice. Is that right? Yeah. Once was that great, that incredible Monday night, uh, in 2016. That was great. Yeah. That's, that's one of my best experiences at at Canberra stadium. And the other time was like back in the early two thousands, pre Bellamy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was another time we beat them. I was actually overseas. I was very disappointed to miss that one. Yeah, no, there have there haven't been many opportunities. No. Been a lot of heartbreaking losses. We've seen them, I've seen them beat us a few times on TV, and, and ironically enough, quite a few of those have been in Melbourne. In Melbourne, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, my very first sideline for ABC was in 2012, where we beat them 40 points to something. But Cam Smith wasn't playing in that game, so it didn't really feel real. Other things that were great about the match on the weekend for us, though, was uh, Josh Papali in the front row. Outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. Um, his meters were fantastic. His defense was fantastic. He did. Um, well over 40 minutes, which is just fantastic for someone in our, our front row rotation. I think it was 47 minutes. Yeah. Made great meters, and he really caused them trouble every time he did it. Quick play the balls, and he looked interested. He looked really interested. Um, so that would, that bode really well for one of your star players actually being a star player. And then Jack Whiten into 5'8". How did you feel about that, Blake? Oh, it was very good. Exceeded uh, my expectations. Because mm. the, the big question mark, I think, over him, we knew that he could run well, mm. and we knew he could tackle well, and, and clearly both of those were, were very evident in the game. Yep. But the, we were wondering about the kicking game, and the kicking game for him was great. It was outstanding. It was outstanding. I know a couple of those ones that ended up as repeat sets were actually intended to be 40-20s, but they yeah. ended up having exactly the same result. And um, it was targeted. They were long. They were low. That was yeah. the other thing. They weren't great big roosts. Those, those kicks that he did never went further than five metres off the ground. Yeah. They were really, really targeted. It was a great boot. And then with Josh Hodgson also doing a couple of fantastic kicks as well, they looked fantastic. Yeah. And his running at the line and around the line was, was dangerous like Campisi used to be dangerous. You needed two on him, otherwise he was going to get through. And he had his hands free most of the time. If we had been in dry conditions, there was a couple of times where I just thought things could have really, really gone right. I was very heightened with that. But coming into our first uh, first segment of the the uh, the podcast, there is another reason to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. One, two, three. What's that, Tim? The reason to be cheerful this week is Jordan Rapiner has made the most miraculous recovery from a shoulder injury in the history of ever and is coming back to actually have had a good win on the weekend and then find out that one of your top three players for the last three seasons is all of a sudden coming back into the side to strengthen you even further. That's just a wonderful, wonderful I, thing. I mean, we, th- we thought the season was, that was the sort of, going into the season, that was the sort of the one sort of downer. Mm, it really was. was the, the fact that he was, he was going to be out for so long. Yeah, and then one round back and, and, and he's in. And, and that's wonderful. Now, poor old Bailey Simonson, has to make a, 
he wasn't. He was. He wasn't too bad. No, I thought he was very good. I th- he made his tackles. He he scored a try. Uh, he only dropped one. He ball. could have scored another try as well. If someone had he passed could have. Ball. Someone had passed the ball, Joey. And it's a good thing you scored that try, Joey, because if you hadn't scored that try, you would have been facing Ricky. And he would not have been happy about that at all. Yeah. Pass the ball, Joey. We want to score the tries. I mean, the only thing about the the, the rap on a thing, um, well, it's two things. One, obviously, the reason why we didn't uh, take up the enforce the Josh Hodgson rule and sign a replacement was if we did go ahead with that and get the salary cap uh, dispensation with that, he wouldn't have been able to come back to round 12. Yeah. Which obviously, so the right call was made there. I guess the only other thing we, we're wondering about. Is he rushing back? Is he coming back too soon? What yeah. do you think? Tim? And look, and there, there are a few people saying this could be Ricky Smoke and Mirrors here, that he's not really coming back, that it's just a it's a herring being thrown in front of Craig Bellamy to, to confuse his plans. But I, I but what, do, do red herrings actually really work in you know, especially with a winger, I can't see that, you know. Well, see the thing is with with Craig Bellamy, most of his plans don't revolve around at all what the other side does. His plans revolve around what his sides do. Do this, do that, do the other, and everything else works out. There is some target this guy and do this and get in that person's ear, and obviously target Jared Croker's injured knee off the ball, Cam Smith. Anyway, so let's go to the other issue that's been really circling around the club for a fair while, and it's the issue of uh, the English halfback George Williams of Wigan. Apparently there's a half-million-dollar transfer fee on the table, um, and there's a lot of strong rumours say that he's coming to the club, that he is coming to the club. And I think it's pretty immediately. much widely accepted that he is coming now at this stage. The question is when, and, and we have it on good authority that, in fact, the transfer fees uh, do not count under the salary cap because they're played which at the is, club, which not is, the player. Which is not what you said last week. So. No, no, but I, I've gone out, I've gone out, I thought, <laughs> uh, I'll check this out, I will find out you know, from people who know, and I have it on good authority that, in fact, they do not. So assuming the Raiders actually have half a million dollars to put a transfer fee in, which is a big assumption to make because, you know, that's not exactly chump change there, I reckon there's a chance that George Williams will be joining us sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't think this season. I think it'll be next season. I don't think he'll come this season. Yeah, I, you know, and I didn't think uh, Junior Paulo would come in 2016. You know, and uh, you never know. Anything, and can, anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And there he was. Um, would you be against him joining this season? No, of course not. I mean, you'd take a good player whenever you can get them. But, you know, whether or not it would be the best thing for him to join mid-season, I don't know. Maybe he needs time to settle in and maybe there needs to be, you know, a bit of a bit more training training done. Assuming that he is coming, uh, it's likely that we'll have to shed some players. Who do you think will leave if he does come? Um, look, there'll be a couple of players and, and they'll still be pushing for selection in this and Ricky likes a competitive list with people pushing to get back in but there's a few players who are in the Mounties at the present moment who would not be happy with that lot at all who would be looking at their options um, one I would say was a notable uh, omission from last year's uh, from last weekend squad which was Luke Bateman Yeah, I, I would be, uh, he would get a start at many, many clubs um, him being in, in the Mounties would not be making him happy at all um, he could still push his way back into the side um, Do you know where I think he could end up uh, in light of some of their recent, if he were to like move mid-season and you know, sooner than later I think the Dragons could probably use a player like Luke Bateman now, because their um, sort of back row uh, and also sort of lock stocks are getting very thin now They are, and look, everyone can use a player like Luke Bateman, he's, he's, he makes his tackles, he, he does good hard work, he's a yeah. good, robust player. Um, there's no problem with him, but at this present stage, he's not in, in the 17. It's, he, a bit, it's a bit sort of reminiscent of um, of when Sean Fenson sort of found himself on the outs as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, and you always knew he was going to get picked up because yeah. you know Fenton's a really good player. Well, so. ironically, Luke Bateman was actually the guy that sort of came through and, and pushed forced, him out a little bit. Out, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, or Clay Priest as well. Yeah, but um, he'd be there. Look, uh, if you bring your half back in, a half back's going to go, and um, it's got to be one that's on a decent chunk of change. One would yeah. one would suggest. And so all roads Luke, lead Luke, to Rome, uh, or in this case, Caesar. Aiden Caesar yeah. would be the logical conclusion. Yeah. Um, he but, still has a year to go in his contract, though. So yeah. I mean, he'd have to. But be if, happy if with another that. club, i.e., his junior club in the Bulldogs in Sydney, wanted mm. to take him back, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if George Williams uh, joins Caesar, heads up the road to well to the Bulldogs having had a chat to his mother on this very subject she's still mad with the Bulldogs for letting him go and letting him go up to the Titans because she had to travel to go see him and she's still in that particular area of Sydney Yeah. so although she comes to pretty much every match he plays and she's always there a lovely woman too um, yeah I don't think she'd be too sad if he came up there and his family's up there but he's, he's been a good servant to the club and I've liked having him around the place he did, he's some, he did, he did some good things in the game against the Titans but it wasn't his best match no, I mean, I like the obviously the sitting behind another player like that. Yeah, the the kick, the kick um, for the Simonson try obviously was nice. Yeah, I like the field goal. Yeah, I like the field goal for, on many levels. Yeah, because obviously it showed to me that um, the team's been practicing yeah, for yeah. certain scenarios, and they just went, okay, we're in this situation. You know, let's make it take it beyond twelve points. The, the opportunity was the field goal was there and he took it. It's only his second field goal for the Raiders. Yeah, and He's the first one was against the, the, the Golden Point win last year, I believe. Oh, right, yeah. When he put it over. Because he, yeah. he got five. He's, he, he's got five in his, he got five in his stint at the, at the Titans. Titan, but yeah, yeah. He's, really, he's really struggled to... In recent times, the only person that actually seems capable of kicking a field goal um, was Sam Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I was surprised because having watched the trials, I thought Sammy Williams played really well in the trials and he's certainly bulked up a lot. But I don't think, as we've seen, you change. You don't change a winning team, no, without you know bringing your star back in, like Jordan Rapiner, obviously. Um, so Caesar's going to get another run, and I, for one, hope he does exceptionally well this weekend. Um, I want to see a really great game out of him. I will be the person cheering the loudest for him to have a have a have a great game this weekend. So we sort of talked about all the things that we liked out of mm-hmm. the, um, the mm-hmm. Titans game and the good performances. Were there any players that we feel uh, need to lift or their performance could have been better? Look, in the rain, it's, it's hard to it's judge. It's really unfair to judge. I loved, see this thing, I loved the effort across the paddock. Like, I loved the effort. Corey Horsberg dropped a ball. Uh, he dropped a couple of balls. He did, but in that weather. But he made some great tackles. He made some I, superb I liked, tackles. Um, I like the look of him. Dynamis Louie would be the one, if I was looking at the player in, in the rotation, that I would have said had the weakest sort of yeah. game. Having yeah. said that, there was a lot of enthusiasm. There was a lot of effort. There was a lot of, you know... There was he, a lot look, of, he runs hard, but he does he does have a tendency to get sort of um, yeah. smashed a bit as well, I would say. Yeah. Um, Emre Gula, you think, is probably a little bit unlucky not to have... I Look, I think we're going to see him sooner rather yeah. than later, so it's not really a... Um, it's not really, you know, a matter of if; it's a matter of when. For yeah. Emre, I think we will see him. Um, oh, of course, you got to use. You know, that's why you have a squad of thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, and we will use him. I think he did quite well with the Mounties uh, on the weekend as well. Um, Jack Murchie, we will see at some yeah. stage. He was he was one of the players who wasn't played along with um, Sam Williams. He yeah. wasn't there. I think we will see Sam Williams at some stage. At this stage, it'll have to be injury, so I hope we yeah. don't. But I really like Sammy. Happy birthday for the other day, by the way, Sammy. Or unless um, Jack Whiten gets called up to be the 5'8 for the Blues, you know. 
yeah. <laughs> and look, at this particular stage, I mean, you can't quit. Look, Origin's all about defence. If you yes. can't defend in Origin, well, he's, you're not he's, there. he's had Origin written all over him from day one, and, and yeah, you yeah. know the argument that that if he was in the centres, he would have already played for the Blues. So yeah, that's been my argument for yeah. the time. I, he should have always been left centre. Having said that, now at five eight, I'm pretty happy with him there. Yeah. But there, there are some things that made me unhappy after the victory on the weekend. In fact, they made me so unhappy they ground my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? Tell us the song. Yes. Like at uh, I, I'm the lucky. Song. I am lucky enough on many many occasions to be in the change room for the victory song, and I love being in the change room for the victory song because one, it means we win, and two, because it's a really happy environment, and I really like being in there. And they can't sing; they're all crap at singing, but they do it with enthusiasm, and they love doing it. And I noted when we saw the video coming down from the uh, from Rabina that. The song had changed. It wasn't done with enthusiasm. There was a bit of hammering with a Coke bottle on the, the esky and they started singing the usual song, you know, Raiders have a forward pack, but it was too fast. It was too fast. Yeah. The, the tempo was gone and they did it. And then all of a sudden, instead of going, that's the sound of the men working on the chain gang, which they do tunelessly, you know, from the old Sam Cooke song from 1960, they started singing We're Bad and Mean, The Green Machine. Now, there has been some press about saying this is a really positive thing and bring it in and they wanted to mix it up and they wanted to do things. No. No, I don't want you to mix it up. I don't like it. I don't like it. It grinds my gears. I want, that's the sound of the men working on the chain gang back because they do it with enthusiasm and then they do the ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah and they dance out in the middle and then they throw stuff up in the air and then I go home. It did It did sort of, it did fizzle out a bit. It fizzled out. It was a bit lost. It was a bit lost. But obviously the thing this year, uh, the broadcasters have all, are going to show the team songs Mm. a la the AFL, which is a huge thing in the AFL. And so... Because of that, this year a lot of uh, teams have changed their songs due to mm. like language and other other sort of reasons. So I think obviously something has been decided that they were going to change the song I, for I, broadcasters, and maybe think everyone knows "Bad Man Green Machine," so they throw that in there. Which I don't necessarily hate having a bit of "Bad Man I Green don't Machine" mind in there, it, but, but it's tradition. Yeah. And look, my understanding is they've been doing the men on the chain gang at the end of that song since way back, you know, in the eighties. You know, so this is, you don't throw tradition out lightly and you certainly don't do it. Too many things in our game at the present moment are done for the almighty broadcast deal and for reasons of Well, the game exists. That's the whole reason the game exists. No, the game exists because people turn up at the turnstiles first and foremost. And the game exists because lots of people turn up at the, you know, the game got big in the late 80s, early 90s, before the broadcast got beyond having two matches telecast a weekend and all the games being pretty much on the same time as a Sunday. That then engaged. The game had been around for a long time before that, a long time. Because there's such big money in the broadcast deal, everything else is done for the almighty broadcast deal. But here's the thing about it. Yeah, okay, you can't have the swearing perhaps because it is, it is going into that sort of area. But you don't just throw out you know, traditions and so on. I don't even know why they would have taken out the men working on the chain gang because it's good. I like it. They should do it again. They should do it with the purpose they always do with it. I love Bad and Mean Green Machine. We met Les Gock when he came out and did it at the stadium last year. Lovely bloke. Great bloke. Uh, uh, the I've old... told you the story that he went... Couldn't Thompson, remember yeah. it. No, <laughs> couldn't reason. remember like, it. Written... I've written over a thousand jingles. I don't, I don't, know, I don't remember that thing. No, he didn't. But he was a lovely guy. But it, we don't need the Bad and Mean Green Machine there. We said that's the sound of the men working on the chain gang because all our men 
together have just knuckled down and worked hard on that chain gang, working in the brutal conditions, and they've got a victory, and that's how they should celebrate it. Well, and taking it away, like, grinds my gears. If they bring it back against the storm, we'll thank the pork. Well, and look, I will say this. I'm happy to hear the new, unimproved version... If, if we, we win, win. <laughs> <laughs> sing any song you want. Any song you want. <laughs> now we talked about um, Corey Horsburgh before, and, and just just want to say another thing about him. Obviously, how great it is to have a redhead mm. back in the Raiders. You know, I used to have this um, theory in the early two thousands, and um, it was based around. It, I, I was a firm believer at the time. I, I mainly formulated this in in pubs and bars around Canberra mm. but I was a firm believer at the time they actually needed a redhead to win a premiership really and I cited particular examples that only applied to really in Australia and, and, and England mm-hmm. Super League and yeah, the yeah. Premier League you know and, and I looked at teams like um, you know also AFL you know you had your Michael Voss you had mm. your Cameron Ling mm. in the Premier League you had um, Paul Scholes, Paul Scholes. Yep. and you had uh, Parla at, um, at Arsenal mm. and so I thought that you needed a redhead to win a premiership but mm. you know so maybe he'll be he'll be the omen so you had Dylan Napa last year at the Roosters. Yeah. Oh, I found I found a whole bunch so of examples. 2017 one. That, that was the that was the Melbourne Storm one yeah. in 2017. I found Did a whole. Have it was a ringer there. No one. I think I, I think, think it's, I think it's gone out the window. That's what I'm that, saying. Culturally, times times have changed, but it did apply for a while. And sometimes it did have to stretch to someone who is perhaps strawberry blonde. Strawberry blonde. You know. Yeah. yeah. Was Michael Crocker a redhead at the Storm? No. Possibly. No, he was not. <laughs> he was not a redhead. Anyway. On the subject of redheads, there, mm-hmm. who is your all-time favourite Raiders redhead, not named Alan Tung? Oh, you can't put that on. <laughs> my my favourite Raiders redhead, without any doubt, is is Alan Tung. He's um, one of the best people I've ever met, regardless outside football, anything. He's he's yeah, one of the best people you've ever met, redhead or not. No, look, that's right. Look, he was such a good bloke. You don't hold the fact that he's a redhead against him. See, this is the thing about it, and I even said this to Alan, and he went awfully quiet. So I'm a bit suspicious here. I said, you're such a good bloke that you're one of those person when they find the, the backpack is chained up in your basement, they'll say, but he seemed like such a nice guy. You know, he's just too damn nice, you know? It's like one of the nicest people I've ever met. The best redhead that's ever been. So look, it's uh, Joel Edwards. I mean, I saw more claret. Redwoods. Come, yeah, Redwoods. I saw more claret come out of that man's head. Speaking of Joel Monaghan. Joel Monaghan, that's and my, Mick Monaghan yeah. as well. We Joel, never, we never saw um, the best of Michael Monaghan at the Raiders. No, we never mostly did. thanks to Luke O'Donnell. Yeah, that's smashing true. his jaw. Yeah, and yeah. hasn't Luke O'Donnell kicked on? He really has, hasn't yeah. he? He smashed a lot of jaws since yeah. that point too. Oh, he's messed that guy. But, anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I would say Joel Monaghan is definitely my favourite ranger when you put it that way. Yeah, no, he's he's positively he was. Um, had an ignominious end to his career with the Raiders, um, unfortunately, in that circumstance and the celebration after the 2008 season. The thing I would say about Joel Monaghan is, is he's actually a good guy. He's just a bit loose. He's a bit loose. Yeah, he's, he's a bit a, loose, he's but a he's a, a good bloke. Yeah. And he would admit that himself. He but. would definitely admit that. Look, and, you know, that incident was very unfortunate and yeah. unpleasant for everyone concerned, mostly in, Joel. In, I think taken in context, although completely inappropriate, I think in the series of what we did at the uh, Mad Monday after you passed out in your house, um, series of photographs, I don't think from what I hear that was even the worst one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Possibly the reason it got shared. Yes. Anyway, no, I would go Joel Monaghan would be yeah. my favourite ranger. Very good, very good. After Alan Tung, of course, who is clearly... Yeah, you know, of course. I mean, it goes without saying. That's why I had to, you know... Yeah. 
include that that part of the because it was question. too damn obvious. Yes, it's yes. like who, who's your favourite captain of the Raiders ever that's not called Mel Meninga? You know, Ron Giddo. Ron Ronnie Giddo, <laughs> great Ronnie Giddo. No, my favourite captain of the Raiders that's not called Mel Meninga would be Alan Tung. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely sense. a great captain as well. Although pretty fond of J. Rad Croker as well, and yeah. and young Josh Hodgson. Yeah, fan of both of them. So, we got any Stump the Pork this week? It's time. Back again. Stump the Pork. Okay, and Stump the Pork this week, I'm going to ask you a question about John Bateman, because obviously it's a name on everyone's lips. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also had a bit of a, a Super League theme with Stump the Pork, so I'm going to continue that. So John Bateman actually made his debut mm-hmm. at the age of 17, mm-hmm. played first grade at the age of 17, mm-hmm. for his hometown club, mm-hmm. the Bradford Bulls. Mm-hmm. Also playing there, of course, was Elliot Whitehead, mm-hmm. the Bradford Bulls. But when he made his debut at the age of 17 in 2011, there was a, a former Raider was also in that Bradford side. Do you know who it was? Justin Carney? No. Uh, it wasn't David Ferner. He was at Leeds Rhinos. And had finished by 2011, he was back. Oh, I don't know. Who was the former Raider? You've stumped the pork. Well, initially when I formulated this question, I thought it was Adrian Pertell. But Adrian Pertell didn't join Bradford until 2012. So he did play with John Bateman at, at, at Bradford and Elliot Whitehead. But it's actually Mark Herbert. Mark, I never former, got that. Former Darren Marlin boy. Never would have got that. Never would have got that. Mark Herbert was oh, at Bradford. Stumped the pork, stumped the pork. Now, be, be aware, listeners, that if you have any questions for Stumping the Pork, please feel free to send them on. And talking about questions, we have some questions. Yes, and we didn't get them last week, so we thought we'd cover them this week. So, um, JB, we heard from, and he said, great stuff. The more podcasts, the better. Thanks, Nice JB. one, JB. We like you, JB. Uh, who's the best international player of all time in the NRL, and why is it John Bateman? Well, it's John Bateman, and it's because he's clearly a legend. That, that would be right. I mean, like, we've already seen. I mean, we might as well just give him the Dally M already from that performance against the Titans. That was, you know, that was absolutely outstanding. So, Well, it, we're not, we're not, we, we don't think maybe it's Josh Hodgson? Uh, Josh Hodgson's very good. I mean, but, you know, he's so last year, you know. He said last year is John Bateman <laughs> right now. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so we'll move on to the next question. Ryan Gil, uh, Gillard, Gilby Gillard. Yeah. Another long-time fan of the show. Thanks yep. for your support, Ryan. How many Raiders players is, it, is too many to have a man crush on before it gets weird? Asking for a friend. It's a hard question. I've got a man crush on many of the Raiders players at the present moment. I choose not to think about that. It may be weird, but I think we can all be weird together on that one. Um, just as long as we understand that, you know, you know what happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. Very good. Next one, Luke Whippy. Good show, Pork. That's right, Luke. Absolutely. It is a good show. It is a good show. And thanks for listening. Thanks right. for being one of the people who's pushed yes. us all the way to the third most popular. Yes, exactly. Tell your friends, Luke, tell your friends. Um, John Christopher, can we talk certain rumours pertaining to English halves? Well, we've, we've sort of covered that. Mm. Your thoughts on the competition this would create, if it moves the needle at all, and if so, how much? How this affects Super Sammy's career? I don't think it affects Super Sammy's career. I think, as we discussed earlier, I think that if someone's going to make way, it would probably be... Aiden Caesar simply for the fact that he wouldn't want to be sitting in that competition. Now, he no. may be wanting to, but he'd have more suitors than Sammy would have, as much as I love Sammy. I want Sammy to stay at the club. I love Sammy being at the club. He probably will. Yeah, I'd say he will. I think he's happy here. I want him to be happier on stay. I would like Aiden Caesar to be happy here and stay, but I think if we bring George Williams in, I think the most likely person to make way or to leave on those terms would be Aiden Caesar. Yeah. 
And he also says, um, Paps also talked fullback. Is it bye-bye Brad or is it way too early to tell? Brad Abbey, it is a bit too early to yeah. tell at this stage. Um, I think the fact that Nicole Klockstad came in straight away off the bat. He's he's first choice. Yeah, it doesn't. But Ricky does like having someone, you know, in mount. He's, you know, keeping the pressure That's on. That's right. And and look, and Abbey so if, had if, good moments too. Yeah, and if... if Brad's Abby's playing well. Well, that's that's good for the club. Yeah, I think it's good for the club. I think the competition. 2016, we had Sean Fenson, Paul Vaughan, and Sammy Williams sitting back in the Mounties, putting pressure on. And there's no mistake that we made second place on the ladder with that sort of depth. Okay, so AJ Mithen, mm. um, I'll repeat my question from last week. How easily will the Raiders win the Premiership? Incredibly easily. Or very easily? I'd say very easily rather than incredibly (laughs) easily. I mean, I think, you know, like being the Raiders, we will have to do something to make it as difficult for ourselves as possible. But when we look back on the wash-up, we'll just see them as speed humps. Um, So very easily, not incredibly easy. Nice, nice, nice. Nathan Beverly, where's podcast at? That's a very good question. Blake, you'd look after the uh, technical aspects of it. I just do the draining monotone. I didn't know if that was actually like a, a, a question as where you can find it where you can listen to it or where we actually record it where the secret location is well we'll never reveal the secret location so. we will never reveal but the secret location in terms of where you can find it SoundCloud uh, and iTunes at this stage I will say it's the messiest storeroom I've ever been in in my whole life and I've been in some messy storerooms nice uh, Marty Owen best player from the Titans game I can't make up my mind well, I think the one, two, three was very clear. I think uh, Jack Whiten was probably the one vote. I think Josh Papali was probably the two vote. But John Bateman was the three vote. He was the best player on the field. Yeah. And I it mean, wasn't just because we all got excited about this new toy that we found or anything. It was simply because he was irrepressible. He played 80 minutes. He was fantastic in defence and attack. And he was given lip left, right and centre in a way that gave us a dominance I haven't seen for a long time. Since a young man with a seven on his back called Ricky Stewart was handing out advice to opposition players willy-nilly. In a smart way, as opposed to sometimes I think we've sort of, you know, some players have uh, yeah, have sort of yeah, done some silly things. And speaking of silly things, one thing that I noticed right at the end of the match, which um, didn't seem to be noticed much at all. And so thankfully, maybe we shouldn't be pointing it out then. Well, I think I think the charges have been uh, charges have been done yeah. in the week. Yeah. But in the 79th minute, uh, Joe Tarpany definitely put on a shoulder charge. No, he didn't. On on, There's uh, no charge. He did not put on a shoulder charge. What put, are you talking he about? He put on a shoulder charge on Ryan James. And look, as much as all of us would like to shoulder charge Ryan James. Actually, Ryan James is a really nice guy. Out of all the... Op- op- I, I don't care what he's like. To. I don't care what he's like, you know, on the sideline. You want him dead, his family dead. No, no, no. When he's playing, he is public for the, he's public enemy number one. Yeah. And look, um, Joe Tarpany put a shoulder charge on him I, having said that as well I reckon there are a couple of shoulder charges put on from the other side oh, yeah, as totally. well yeah, yeah. Um, in some of those gang tackles on, on uh, Papali I think it was, um, it was Wallace went mm. in with a shoulder on a couple of shots as well but they were sort of part of gang tackles yeah. where it's probably a bit easier to get away with it yeah 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 uh, Joe Tarpany, very lucky. So I was hoping we would see less of that in his game this year because obviously he's, yeah. you know, that's been... Quite important to the yes, side. That he's an important player and we don't need him suspended. And if he had been charged, considering the fact he got suspended for a couple of weeks last year for a shoulder charge, mm. I imagine he would, would have, have got been a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. For loading. Look, just to finish, one of the things that I really liked on the weekend was you can say a lot of shit about the Titans. You can say things, oh, they're no good, they've never been good, blah, 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 all these things. That forward pack is good. Oh, you look at Jared Wallace, Jai Arrow, Nathan Peach, Ryan James. That is top quality you cattle. Boyd. Oh, yeah, Shannon Boyd, obviously. Top quality cattle in that. Our forward pack, in those conditions where forward packs were going to make all the difference, dominated them. 
They absolutely dominated them, and by the end of the match, the Titans were worn down and beaten because our forwards were irrepressible and really just smashed into them. They beat them in defence, they beat them in attack, and we're playing the Storm this weekend, who have the most regimented forward pack in the game and it's have a big, done for the last 15 years. It's a big test. And if they can come up with that sort of performance against the Storm, we got a real chance because I tell you this much, our back line, I reckon, is better than the Storm's. Quite possibly. Mm. Quite possibly. If our forward packing no, the, that the, back the, line, the room it needs to move... It's a big test they in the will. forwards against Storm. Who do, you, who do you fear most in the Storm forward pack? Camp Smith. Yeah. Absolutely, Cam Smith, without any doubt, because he controls the game, because he's smarter than everyone else out there, because he will keep his side focused. Uh, Jesse Bromwich is just tried and tested, and he's a fantastic player. Um, Kami Kamika, the, the, the PNG player they've got, is playing this weekend. He has big matches. He's a, quite the weapon, that bloke. He's really quite outstanding. There's a whole lot of things I fear, but really, Cam Smith is the number one fear there. Cameron Munster's the other one because he has that sort of arrogance. Yeah, that really says it's 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 I'm hard to go. Yeah, it's hard for me to say who my least um, favorite Melbourne Storm player is. Obviously, Cameron Smith, you know, yeah, is, is, is in his own class. But he um, is. Curtis Scott, I really don't like. No, I put Cameron Munster above Curtis Scott, I don't like, <laughs> and I don't really like Siliasu Sil- Vunavala. No, either. he's he's a bit he, of grub. He's a bit low rent, isn't he? He's a bit of a grub. He's a bit low rent. He's he's got a bit of he's got a bit of dirty nickel in his game. I, Josh Adekar, I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, the other one, of course, who we haven't talked yeah, like mentioned about is um, who haven't we talked about? Is uh, Nelson Asafa Salamona? Now he's a weapon. He's a beast. I still don't believe he came from New Zealand. I think Craig Bellamy um, put him together in a lab somewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah, look, look. <laughs> he is Frankenstein's monster and for all on the, the football field. All the crappy things you can say about Cam Smith, there is not a stage in the last 15 years I wouldn't have put him straight in my team. Not a stage. Not a stage where he wouldn't have been my first pick in any side. Well, of course, there's that, that great sliding doors moment where he was actually all ready to sign. Um, he'd basically agreed to join the Raiders mm. because he was behind Richard Swain mm. at... Um, at the storm, mm. and he went to the he went to the team and went to the club and said, "Look, I'm, I'm unless I get you know the crack at this mm. hooker jersey, I'm out of here." And he was going to come to the Raiders, so we almost got him. Whether or not he would have stayed at the Raiders, look, you know, how much of Cam Smith is Craig Bellamy? And that's the thing: how much is Billy Slater is, is Craig Bellamy? How much of Cooper Cronk is Craig Bellamy? How much of any of these stars? And this is the thing I said a few years ago after they won the premiership. You know, the Melbourne Storm's best player has been Craig Bellamy because. He takes no crap, and he gets the job done, and he manages to make silk purses out of sour ears with monotonous regularity. Yeah, I mean, the, so the, the, if he had come to Canberra, would Cam Smith have been Cam Smith? Probably not. Or would he have been Cam Smith like? <laughs> yeah, would we have paid him out of position, and then he would have wandered off to Newcastle or the Dragons? You know, yeah, it wouldn't have been the same. That's right. So I mean, like, and it's a sliding doors moment. I think the best sliding doors moment in the history of the Raiders of recent times was when Michael Ennis refused to come because we wouldn't give him a three-year contract, only a two, and we got Josh Hodgson. I will forever be grateful for you, Michael Ennis, in that big square lantern jaw of yours for making that because Josh Hodgson, well, we all love him. I also don't regret the fact that Kevin Proctor uh, reneged because he hasn't, uh, again, like many players, hasn't really kicked on no. post-storm. He was part of the machine. He yeah, wasn't an individual he's, star He hasn't really himself. kicked on post-storm. And, um, you know, probably because we missed out on him, we got C.S. Oliola. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah, he's, he's been... Elliot Whitehead. Yeah, exactly. exactly. These are wonderful players. Anyway, 
I think we've uh, we've covered most of the issues uh, this week. It's been fantastic revisiting with you on uh, Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork, the third most popular Canberra Raiders podcast on the air. I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon.